It is Friday, November 18th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Lance Glenn. Before we start, I just want to remind everyone to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So on today's episode, as we get closer and closer to bowl season, we're going to talk a little bit of bowl projections, and we're happy to be joined by college football writer for 24-7 Sports, Brad Crawford. Now, Brad, you laid out a couple days ago, a whole list of bowl projections, all the bowls that are, are going to happen. You projected them, the college football playoff, the New Year's Six. You have your team set for them. And I want to start by discussing the college football playoff because I think your four choices are going to shock quite a few people. Let's start with the Peach Bowl. Again, college football playoff, we're going to go with that first. You have number one, Georgia, which, of course, to many is, is no surprise, against number four, not TCU, not Michigan, but number four, USC. So tell me why you have the Trojans there in the four spot and why you have them matching up against Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Yeah, I think right now, Lance, 9-1 and one, USC, number seven in this week's college football playoff rankings, not where Lincoln Riley's team wants to be. However, that's not where they're going to stay. The next three games for USC, two in the regular season, possible Pac-12 championship game, are all going to be against top 20 opponents. So USC plays UCLA this weekend. They win that game. They go to 10 and 1. They're going to probably move up a spot or two in next week's rankings. Then they host Notre Dame, a team that had a respectable loss against Ohio State early in the year, has now moved inside the top 20, is the only team to beat North Carolina, which could win the ACC this year. So Notre Dame's a quality win for USC. And then a possible matchup with Oregon in the Pac 12 championship game. So USC is actually a team that, believe it or not, I think may control its own destiny right now because you're talking about three top 20 wins USC will have if they win out, plus another one in Oregon State if they're able to hang in the top 25 too. So USC is a team right now with the four seed in my latest playoff rankings. And as you mentioned, Georgia at 13-0 and getting top billing. And we'll talk about them a little bit later, but is putting USC number four, are you implying that TCU finishes with a loss, whether it's in one of these remaining games for the Horned Frogs or potentially the Big 12 title game? Yeah, so TCU in this playoff race, it gets a little tricky for me with the Horned Frogs. I think TCU has to win out to make the playoff. 12-1 and is not going to be good enough. I think TCU could possibly lose this weekend to Baylor, only a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Baylor against a team that just lost by four touchdowns. So what you know? What does that show the experts in Vegas think about TCU despite being unbeaten right now? But I think TCU is going to be in the playoff with that number three seed at 13-0, like I said. And then it comes down to a situation where Ohio State or Michigan, the winner of that game, probably finishes unbeaten. They get the two seed. And that number three and four seed is where the big questions lie. You know, will TCU finish unbeaten, get that third spot? Who gets to fourth? Is it the Pac-12 champion USC like my projections suggest? Is it an 11-1 and Tennessee team? LSU right now, Lance, is the fly in the ointment for all of these unbeaten slash one-loss teams in the race. If LSU goes into Atlanta in two weeks and beats Georgia and sort of steals a bid as the first two-loss team to make the Final Four, then USC, TCU, their their hopes diminish quite a, quite a bit. And then in the Fiesta Bowl, Brad, you have number two, Ohio State. So take quick note, you obviously then have Ohio State beating Michigan and you have number three, Tennessee. So you do have the Vols sneaking in in this Fiesta Bowl projection. Uh, So why Ohio State, I I should first ask, first ask over Michigan and then Tennessee getting in there with one loss, a a one loss non-champion getting in the playoffs in the Fiesta Bowl. I think Tennessee is sitting in a a good spot right now at number five, but it's important to note the Vols do not control their own destiny. 
There, there's five teams left on the board that do. Tennessee is not one of them. But I do think TCU loses a game. If that happens in this scenario, Tennessee will get in the playoff. This is the nation's top-ranked offense. It's obvious that the, the committee respects the Vols a great deal, having them inside the top five right now. And that loss to Georgia, I know it was a dominating game, but you look at the box score, it's only two scores. And the committee you know, respects Georgia in the highest regard because the Bulldogs are number one team in the country the last couple of weeks in, in these playoff rankings. So I think Tennessee's resume is going to be good enough if they get some help that that's going to take a USC loss. It's going to certainly take a TCU loss because TCU's ahead of them right now. So, and Ohio State's a team where if they beat Michigan, they're going to trounce whoever they play in Indianapolis. But Ohio State Michigan is the game of the year to me. That game's two weeks from now. And the winner of that game, I think, secures the number two seed in the playoff. If if Michigan does lose that game, Michigan's strength of schedule is not good enough to make it as a as a one loss team in the Final Four. One hundred percent. And while that's true, I will say good for the Maize and Blue because that UConn win <laughs> looks a lot better yeah. now than it did when they first beat them earlier uh, in the season. This is a UConn team, obviously, that is bowl eligible, which is you know crazy enough to say credit where credit is due uh, to Jim Moore for getting the Huskies to a bowl game. So let's look at the rest of the New Year's Six, and we'll start with the Sugar Bowl. And we've talked about obviously the Horn Frogs a little bit so far uh, in this episode, but you have TCU going up against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Now, obviously, it's been a disappointing year for Alabama for what their standards are. Uh, TCU, of course, at this point being undefeated, I'm sure they'd be a little bit disappointed to have to settle for a non-college football playoff New Year's Six game. But man, TCU, Alabama, two great offenses, two teams that that can run the ball as well. I think this would be a, a really great game to watch yeah, the, the biggest key here is the Sugar Bowl is contractually obligated to take the highest ranked SEC team that does not make the playoff. So you're talking about Georgia and Tennessee are in my Final Four projection, and then you have a three-loss LSU SEC runner-up against a two-loss Alabama. Which one of those teams here in about three weeks will be ranked higher? I think it's likely Bama. So it's it's kind of give and take there. You know, d- despite LSU beating Alabama head-to-head, will Bama be ranked ahead of a three loss LSU team. I think they will. And then like, as you mentioned, I've got TCU with one loss, 12 and 12 and one, excuse me, still winning the big 12. And that's where the big 12 champion will be slotted. So if we get a TCU Alabama matchup in new Orleans, that'll, that'll be a heck of a non-playoff game. But I think one thing you have to watch there is how many stars will be out for Alabama. They they've got four or five projected first round picks, Bryce Young and Will Anderson included. And we saw in that game last year, several big name players decided not to play for uh for Pitt in the New Year's Six. That was Kenny Pickett. So I think it'll be very interesting to see how many of those top end day one guys in the twenty twenty three NFL draft play for Alabama in a New Year's Six Bowl. Hello everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search the rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's move on to the Rose Bowl now, Brad. And and you have Michigan and Oregon in the Rose Bowl. And Oregon, their playoff hopes really came to an end this past weekend when they lost to Washington at home 37-34. What was a great game? Um, and I, I, I said before, I don't think it was what Oregon did that lost in the game. I think Washington just, just played so well to ultimately win the game. The Maize and Blue getting the Rose Bowl or getting to the Rose Bowl. Obviously, the Big Ten gets the highest ranked Big Ten team in uh, that potentially doesn't make a playoff. So that would mean Michigan losing to Ohio State and thus getting into the game. That would be a really fun matchup to see. Um, Bo Nix, whether or not he plays is still TBD because um, he's an another guy who could potentially prepare early for the draft. Now, obviously he's not in the Bryce Young level of uh, potential quarterbacks in the first round, but still a guy who could uh, decide to sit out. But even so, Michigan, Oregon, two power programs in college football today. I think that'd be a really fun game to watch in California. Yeah, it's always a game that I've I pay attention to even when it's not in the you know college football playoff scenarios. These are two very good teams, have been elite all year. It's really unfortunate for the Ducks that a fourth and one decision at their own 35 may wind up costing Oregon and first-year coach Dan Lanning a playoff spot. I mean, if Oregon wins out, they're going to be Pac-12 champion and you know get to the Rose Bowl regardless and not make the Final Four, which they they, they would have made it probably at, at 12-1 and one with that lone loss being to Georgia. But yeah, losing to Washington at Alston Stadium, snapping that long winning streak there really, really hurt the Ducks. But getting back to this matchup more, I like Michigan's defense going up against Oregon and, and Bo Nix, like you said. You know, we saw some player opt-outs last year in the Rose Bowl with a couple Ohio State first-round wideouts not playing. And that was still a fantastic game between the Buckeyes and in Utes, and I think Michigan-Oregon would be another prime game outside of the Final Four that would get some some really good ratings during bowl season. Oh, 100%. So let's move on now to the Orange Bowl. You have North Carolina and Penn State, and I wonder for Penn State, let's say they do hypothetically get to the Orange Bowl, is this the beginning of the Drew Aller era for them? Uh, obviously, Sean Clifford, maybe he decides to sit out and prepare for the NFL draft. Again, he's not in the level of a Bryce Young, Will Levis, CJ Stroud type uh, that's going to get picked early at quarterback. But you know, again, you never know with with players, you know, preparing for their NFL futures. Even if he doesn't, and even if he is playing, Drew Aller is obviously the future there at Penn State. It would be interesting to see him uh, against Drake May, who I think has emerged this season. I think you agree with me as one of the top two or three quarterbacks in college football. And when he is eligible, will without a doubt, I think. At at least as of right now, be a first round pick. Uh, so it would be a fun matchup to watch. Penn State has a very good defense. Obviously, we know about North Carolina's offense and we know about Drake May. It would really be a, a clash of two very good units coming up against one another. And it would be interesting to see which one wins out. You're talking about the possibility of two top end quarterbacks, kind of the headliners and maybe the faces of college football next year with the Penn State freshman and, and the redshirt freshman at UNC and in Drake May. I'm, I do think Sean Clifford's gonna gonna play in that game if if Penn State does make it. You know, I I tweeted today that, that James Franklin really should be getting some Big Ten Coach of the Year love because he's probably going to finish 10-2 with a close loss to Ohio State, lost to Michigan. And this is a team, Lance, where 
you know, most of us project to maybe eight and four for Penn State this year, and they're probably going to get double digit wins. He's already had several 11 and two seasons there. Could could get another one this year, but I think North Carolina being the projection here is a bit of a surprise, maybe to some of our listeners, because you know most have Clemson winning the ACC right now, but UNC's red hot on offense. Drake May is lighting it up through the air, and that'll be the first time really all season that Clemson secondary is going to be tested by a future first round pick at quarterback. So that that ACC title game here in a couple of weeks in Charlotte is going to decide a spot in the Orange Bowl. And right now, early, I like the Tar Heels in that game. It'll be a fun one for sure. And speaking of that game specifically, uh, with the way both teams are playing right now, I think you make a good point when you say you like the Tar Heels. I mean, North Carolina is absolutely rolling. Their only loss coming to uh, coming at the hands of Notre Dame. Obviously, Clemson's only loss as of right now coming at the hands of Notre Dame. Clemson's more recently than obviously North Carolina's was as North Carolina's was earlier in the season. But nevertheless, like you said, it would be so fun to watch Drake May go up against that Clemson defense and that Clemson defensive line. The last one I want to discuss, the Cotton Bowl, LSU and Central Florida, a rematch from about four or five years ago, uh, back when Scott Frost was still the head coach of Central Florida and Brian Kelly was still at Notre Dame. Obviously, two new coaches, Kelly now at LSU and Gus Malzahn at Central Florida. So I don't think there'll be any revenge on the minds of of LSU trying to uh, beat UCF in what was UCF's undefeated season. Uh, But nevertheless, still a very good game and a chance for Gus Malzahn uh, to really make a statement against an SEC team that he used to face very often. Yeah, I've got a 10-3 and three LSU team going up against the, the G5 champ, UCF. You know, the, there's a chance maybe Cincinnati or even Tulane make this game because the AAC right now is way too close to call. Only two regular season games left, but UCF does control its own destiny based on its ranking this week in the playoff poll. And UCF's a team right now playing really hot after winning at Tulane. But, you know, my, my dream scenario for this game is actually Alabama versus UCF. That'd be the first time we get a, you know, the the we want Bama chance that UCF had several years ago, as you mentioned during the Scott Frost era. And there's a chance we get that too if if LSU does get that Sugar Bowl bid over Alabama. But I do think it'll be a SEC versus G5 matchup. And if we do get LSU UCF or Alabama UCF, that'll be a game that also attracts a lot of eyes. Yeah, it will. And you make a good point there. Uh, UCF fans will finally get Alabama. Granted five years later, but they'll still. And, and and Nick Saban's worst team in 10 years too, I might add. <laughs> yes, yes. A much different Nick Saban team uh, than the one Central Florida would have gone up against in, 20, in 2017 uh, for sure. But hey, they would have finally got Alabama and we would have been able to see uh, the Knights go up against the Tide. Uh, but there you have it, the New Year's Six Bowl games, uh, the two college football playoff ones, as long as well as the four others. Uh, if you want Brad's full list, make sure to check it out at 247sports.com. Brad, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Remember to like and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. And of course, make sure to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. So for Brad Crawford, I am Lance Glenn. Enjoy week 12 on Saturday. And thanks so much for listening to College Football Daily.